Welcome to Hasidut Daily. Two minutes of inspiration with Eli the Jew. Okay, we're going to begin. Okay, shalom everybody real quick. Firstly, shalom, a quick intro. Hi, my name is Eli Deutsch. I'm originally from a place called Teaneck, New Jersey. New Jersey was so amazing that I left. <laughs> and I made the move to the Holy Land. And there I was, having made the move to the Holy Land, and I'm wandering around the streets of the old city of Jerusalem. Have you been there? So I'm wandering around the streets of the old city of Jerusalem, and I bump into a few people I know from Toronto, Canada. Me and them get to talking, and with them there was this other young lady. Me and her get to talking, and what do you know, to make a short story shorter, me and this gal end up getting hitched, and so just goes to show you that some people go to the old city of Jerusalem for God, other people for the ladies. And since then, thank God, we've been blessed to live in a bunch of locations in Israel. Lived a couple of years in an area called Beersheba in the south, across the street from Ben Gurion University. We were involved with Jewish outreach on the campus there. We lived a year in Katamon, not far from the German colony. We lived um, another, whatever, a couple other places. And now, thank God, we're actually blessed for the last 15 years to live in the, right back there in the old city of Jerusalem, living in a place overlooking the spot that we met. There you go, there you go. The ladies like that story. And apparently some of the guys here, Sele, you know, it's West Coast, you know. But uh, anyway, this is a great story. It actually has nothing to do with why I'm here talking to you today. What brings me here to talk to you today is that when I was growing up, maybe some, person, maybe some people can relate to this. When I was growing up, anything I ever heard about Judaism was a lot about the what's of Judaism and the how's of Judaism, what to do, how to do it. But like, come on, come on in, you're welcome to join us, grab some breakfast, you want to grab some food? Sure, sure. Shalom, shalom. Um, um, so, so growing up, so, you know, I had a little bit of Jewish background, but I always had these questions, right? Like, they would tell us about the what's of Judaism, the how's of Judaism, but somehow the why's, why on earth should I be involved in this? Why on earth should I care? Why might this Jewish thing actually make a difference in my life? Some of those why's were always passed over. And so growing up, this bothered me. And so when I had the opportunity, I wanted to check some of this Jewish stuff out for myself. So I went to Israel, started searching things out. And this started out as a philosophical pursuit. Why should I believe in this? Why should I believe in that? Why should I believe that there's a God? Why should I believe God gave the Torah to the Jewish people? Why should I believe the oral Torah is legit and relevant? And so I started seeking out places and people who might be able to give me some kind of rationale, some kind of answers to these questions. And as I started to actually find people that actually made some sense out of this stuff, so my questions started to evolve from the philosophical to the more spiritual, right? My question started to go to like, okay, well, why do we do this particular thing in this particular way? What difference does it really make anyway, you know? And, and um, anyway, so that led me more to the teachings of Hasidut, to the teachings of Kabbalah. And thank God, since then, I'm blessed to be involved with a really uh, a lot, th- this, these kind of teachings, right? Giving over a little bit of the wise of Judaism from a philosophical perspective, from a spiritual Kabbalistic perspective. And so, what, I, what we decided that we're going to speak about today is um, the concept of the spiritual connection between the land of Israel and the people of Israel. Shalom, holy sister. So, um, so we're going to talk today about the, the land of Israel and the people of Israel, understanding the spiritual connection, understanding the Kabbalistic connection. 
So just to be clear, we are not, this is not a political discussion, okay? No, no, we're not talking about politics here. What we're, what we're talking about here is the spiritual connection between the land of Israel and the people of Israel, okay? Now, here's the thing. If we want to talk, if we want to understand about the connection between the land of Israel and the people of Israel, we have to understand what do we mean by land on the spiritual level? What do we mean by land? What do we mean by people? What do we mean by Israel? And if we have these things clarified at a spiritual level, at an essential level, then it'll be a foregone conclusion, the connection between the land of Israel and the people of Israel, right? And so if we want to understand what we mean by land, if we want to understand what we mean by people, if we want to understand what we mean by Israel, we have to understand how we understand anything. How do we get to the essence of anything in Judaism? So there's a couple of options. Option number one is where that thing shows up in the Torah, and particular, particularly where it shows up first in the Torah, is like the epicenter of that thing. That's option number one. We're not going to use that option today. I'm going to use option number two. Option number two is that there's a Kabbalistic secret. If you want to know the essence of something, that in the name of the thing lies the essence of the thing. Right? How do you say name in Hebrew? Shame. There you go. Shame is related to the Hebrew word sham, which means there. Because in the name of the thing lies the there of the thing. In the name of the thing lies the destiny of the thing, the goal of the thing, what it's really here for, what it's really all about. And so, if I want to go to the essence of something, I go to the name of that thing, right? You also see very clearly at the beginning of the Torah, it says, Bereshit, Barallah, came in the beginning, God created, et it's the heavens and the earth. Now, if you look a little closer, you see it says, Bereshit, for anybody who knows Hebrew, I know we've got some Israelis in the house, Bereshit, Barallah, in the beginning, God created, and then it says the word et. What does et mean in English? Correct answer. There's no such word. But could there be in the Torah? Could there be? Could there be? Could there be? There you go. You want to get... <laughs> so that's the answer, right? That's the answer. That's what hints you. So my thing was going to be... Okay, hold on a second. The word et. It can't be that there's a word in the Torah. It doesn't mean anything, right? So that means that we can be doresh. We can be... We can expound on what it means et. So one of the ideas, the Magad of Mezrich, the great Hasidic master, the Magad of Mezrich says, Brezhet Berlekim, in the beginning, God created et. God created Aleph to Tuf. God created the Hebrew language, like you say in English, from A to Z. God created the Hebrew language from Aleph to Tuf. And then God takes the Hebrew language and uses that to create the Shemaim and the Aretz, the heavens and the earth. Right? And similarly, you find in the Torah itself, you find that everything's created by speech. You see this, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Right? So we see that the speech is at the root of the thing. And the thing is an expression of the speech. Right? How do you say to speak in Hebrew? Lidaber. How do you say a thing in Hebrew? Davar. It's the same root, same word, same letters. Because the speech is at the root of the thing, and the thing is an expression of the speech. So, if I want to understand what do we mean by land, what do we mean by people, what do we mean by Israel, I want to look at the Hebrew words and understand it, hopefully a little bit of wisdom, what we mean by land, what we mean by people, what we mean by Israel. So that's what we're going to do. Are you ready? Yeah. Perfect. So we will begin... With people, what do we mean by people? So, okay, so let's look at the word we have for people. Adam. Adam is, there's a couple of things we can learn about Adam. Right, firstly, we know that Adam, if you look at the, uh, at the word Adam, Adam is Aleph Dam. Forget who says it, maybe the Maharal, I forget. Aleph Dam. Dam, of course, means blood. Aleph, of course, what's Aleph in Judaism? One. One. What's one in Judaism? Hashem. Hashem, right? So what is a person literally breaks down to this? Flesh and blood with a spark of godliness, right? This is the idea of a person. And it's this duality that the person has created. Now, if you look, though, if you look at this, you could, you could, we could get, learn more about Adam when we look about 
what surrounds, quote unquote, surrounds Adam. What's above Adam, quote unquote, what's below Adam, quote unquote, right? Let's start with below. Below the person you have an animal. How do you say an animal in Hebrew? Uh, we're going to go with Behema. Some people might say Chaya, it's a wild animal. Behema. Behema says the Maharal of Prague. Behema is, breaks down to the word Ba Ma. In it, what is there? Rhetorical question. Meaning to say there's nothing more than what you get. Right? There's no spiritual higher choice that it's going to make. Whatever its gut, whatever its body, the physical animal there, whether this physical side of it, the emotional side of it, which is attached to its physicality, whatever the choice is that, the, the, the desire, that, the instinct that it has, that's what's going to follow up on. There's no higher potential, so to speak, to achieve by that animal. Right? On the flip side of the person, that's below the person. Above the person, you have an angel. Angel in Hebrew, of course, is malach. Malach, if you look at the word, malach, malach breaks down to malay, and then the letter kaf, which is also a word. Kaf. Malay means full. Kaf means? Well, that's the modern Hebrew version. Kaf is a palm. Palm. So now, now, okay, a spoon is called a kapit because it's like your palm. I got to teach you his, uh, Hebrew now. Okay. So, so fine. So malay kaf, that its, that its palms are full. Meaning to say the angel is like the inverse of the animal. The angel, its hands are full. It's, all, it's constantly actualizing what it's supposed to do. Right? It's in a world of clarity, it's a spiritual being, whatever that means, it's constantly doing the thing it's supposed to be doing. So here you have on the one end of the on the one side of the person you have an animal, nothing higher to choose, nothing higher to achieve. The angel on autopilot, constantly doing the actualizing the thing it's supposed to do because it's in this place of clarity. In between them, you have this unique character, this unique creation called the person. Aleph Dam. You got the angel side, you got the animal side. And of course, it's our job to hopefully assert the Aleph over the Dham, right? To live out a little bit angelic living, godly living, soul living here, <clears throat> here in this physical world. And by the way, you see this interestingly enough also in the fact that, the, that Adam is created from the Adama, from the earth. Now, it, if you understand a little bit of what we're talking about here, it's not just a coincidence. Like The fact that he's created from the earth, the fact that he's called by the same name as the word earth, Adam, Adama, Guess what? There's a connection in the essence of what a person's all about with the ground's all about. What's the ground all about? Ground is an interesting thing. If you leave it on its own, so it's going to remain barren. But if you do the proper work, if you do the proper plowing, the proper seeding, the proper watering, the proper, give it the proper light it needs, so then you could bring out from that ground, that ground has potential to bring out amazing, amazing things, trees, fruits, whatever. There's a potential that could bring out. So that's the unique thing about the land. On the one hand, there's a potential that it could bring forth, but if you don't touch it, if you leave it alone, if you don't work on it, it's just going to lay there barren. Same thing with the human being. The human being has a potential to bring forth, and the question is, if a person goes ahead and does the proper inner personal plowing, which is a midot refinement, working on oneself, the personal plowing, that personal seeding, that personal you know, water, learning the Torah, shining light, you know, the higher levels of Torah, the sodot, the, the Kabbalistic Torah, the pers- we can grow out from ourselves of the fruit of self-actualization. Right, so this is what a person is all about. A person is all about this idea, this being involved in this, in this journey to make, hopefully, higher choices to actualize potential and to also really actualize our potential, the potential of the world as well, right? Um, okay, so where is this happening though? Where is this person going? Where is the human being going on the journey to make higher choices and actual, actualize potential? Where is that happening? Answer is that's happening by land. 
right? What do we mean by land? How do we say land in the biblical context? Certainly is Eretz. What's Eretz? If we break down the word Eretz is Aleph Ratz. What does that mean? Ratz is, means to run, right? Because this is that place of journeying. But what kind of journey are we hopefully going through over here is an Aleph-oriented journey. A godly-oriented journey. journeying is happening right over here, right? By the way, flip the script. When a person leaves the planet Earth and they ascend and they go beyond this world, they go from Eretz and they go to Shamayim. What's Shamayim? Sham in plural. Sham is the there, that the word of destiny, destination. It's the destination, though. In this world, you have a lot of destinations. I run over here, I got to the, I got to, I got to the happy minute, right? And then I'm done, I got to go to the airport. I get to all these different destinations. But what is the destination of all destinations, ultimately? Shamayim. When we leave this, a person leaves this world. Shamayim, sham in, plurally, in plural. The destination of all destinations, right? And so we see that Perkei actually points this out, that the nature of this world is that it's a place of journeying, it's the place of striving, right? Very famously, Perkei says that <clears throat> that one moment in this world, hold on a second, let me say the reverse first, I think. One moment in the next world is greater, I might be misquoting a little bit here, but you'll get the theme. One moment in this world is, one moment in the next world is greater than all the moments in this world, and one moment in this world, of doing good in this world, is greater than all the moments of the next world. So obvious question is, that seems to be a contradiction. So at first glance, if we want to be religious about it, the first half of the statement makes sense. Right, okay, one moment of the next world, one moment of basking in the glory of the infinite without the without the uh, limitations of the finite, getting in the way, one moment of that is greater, is gonna be higher, is gonna be more refined, more expansive, more pleasurable than any mo lim moment of limited enjoyment here in this world. Okay, I understand that one, I wanna be religious, I understand that one. But what about the other side? One moment in this world greater than all the moments in the next world? So the answer is of course, yes, right? When, it, because if we go ahead and take a moment in this world and do something good, so now we can grow, we can gain, we can get something higher than we would have gotten otherwise. Right? And so what does that mean to say? It means the next world is the world that's all about experience. This world is, is, is all about the journey. And so this is the location, this is the place, this is the opportunity. Whenever we have any issues, any struggles, any personal struggles, any inner struggles, any emotion, physical desires, emotional desires, uh, recording our, our patterns, all that kind of stuff, anytime we find that obstacle, recognize you're in the world, you're in the domain of journeying. And so that obstacle is an opportunity. That obstacle is an opportunity where we go ahead and make a choice to do something higher than what's comfortable in that moment, right? Okay, very good. And so this is the idea that this is right, and, and we love it, right? We see it all over the place. We see this idea, right? Sports is an easy one, right? What person, a, a team or an individual wins the championship, why is it so enjoyable to them? To the extent they put in the effort for it, that's the extent of the enjoyment they, they experience later on when they go ahead and, and achieve, right? So whoever won the Super Bowl last, I don't know. But if he would have popped out, that guy, if he would have popped out of his mother's womb with a Super Bowl trophy, that Super Bowl trophy would mean a lot less, right? But because, he went, because that we, when, to the extent we go ahead and live out this, this realm as a realm of journeying, that's what this is all about, right? So it's gonna be greater. And so this is the idea that land, Eretz, is this concept of the location where, we're in, where the human being is involved in that journey for growth, in that journey for meaning, in that journey for going beyond. But that's only the land, and that's one aspect, one bechina of land. That's land when we're comparing it to the heavens, right? We said, compare to the heavens. Heavens is the realm of experience. Land is the realm of journey. But there's also another way we can look at land as well. Land compared to the sea, interestingly enough. 
Land compared to the sea, we find something else. Now, but in order to understand it, we need to uh, jump into um, another Kabbalistic idea, right? And we're going to see that land is going to have this, the quality, explains the Maharal of Prague, land is going to have the quality of permanence, whereas the sea has the quality of wavering. And we're going to explain a little bit about that. In order to do that, we have to understand some basic principles of Kabbalistic wisdom, which also actually they have these ideas in certain ancient wisdoms as well, which says basically that everything in this world is made up of two facets, of two aspects, and that's called in Hebrew chomer and tsura. Chomer and tsura, which means material and form. Right? Form and material. Everything is made up by both. So I'll give you an example. Imagine you have a, uh, imagine you have a wooden table sitting right over here. So the wood is the material, the tableness of the thing is the form, right? And, and so it means to say, right, that there's an aspect of direction and then there's the thing that fills and actualizes that direction. So imagine a mold, right? But then you have the material and then you have the material that is the, ve the vehicle for the expression of that mold, right? Are you guys with me so far? Yes. Perfect. So now, so that means to say then, that the concept is like, uh, so I give, you, I give you an example. I give you an example. The, uh, I think it's, yeah, the Maharal explains that he says, okay, what's the, what's the greatest example of the Homer material? He says is water, right? Why? Because water has no form. Water takes on the form of whatever it's put in. It goes with the flow, right? By the way, he also explains this is why, how do you say water in Hebrew in singular? Correct answer. There is a trick question. You don't, you say, even may, when people say, oh, well, what about like may Eden? It means waters of Eden. True, but I'm talking at the word water. So, so, because he says why? Because there's no singular form of water. Water takes on, the, takes on the, the structure of whatever it's put into. It takes on, right now, my coffee, which is essentially water, is like in this cup. I put it in this bowl. The water is going to have a completely different shape. I'll take on the shape of this bowl. Right? And so water is the example of, of Homer. And um, really, probably what's the probably example of tsura, of tsura, of form? <clears throat> I don't remember if he gives an example, but... I mean, clearly it's the concept of land, right? It's the concept of land, as we're going to talk about in a second. But in terms of our midot, in terms of our attributes, Maral explains that stubbornness is actually a spiritual quality. He says it's a spiritual quality. Now, why is that so, right? Why is that so? Very simple. Well, actually, firstly, let's understand our problem with this. Most people have a problem with this because they go, oh, stubborn, that's a bad, that's... Stubbornness has negative connotations in English. But let me work on it with you. You ready? How do you like, how about the word principled? That sounds better, right? But what does principle mean? It just means being stubborn about the things that we think are the right things, right? Then all of a sudden, oh, the person's principled, right? So, what, so what does it mean really by stubbornness and principled, right? It means to say, why is stubbornness a spiritual quality? Now, stubbornness has negative connotations because you're using that spiritual quality of, of stubbornness or being principled, and you're using it for something that we think is the wrong thing, right? So it has negative quality. But what does it mean to say? It means to say that I am firm about the thing that I want to do. I, I, have, I, I understand what's the truth or the right thing to do, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter what comes in my way. 
I'm able to override. So even if you try to come bring something in my way, I'm able to override that. So that's why it's spiritual, because even my, my lower side of me is trying to move me to do something that I don't want to do, to do something I don't believe in, to do something that is not the right thing. And I'm able to stand strong with what I know is real. I'm able to go above that. So this is why it's considered to be spiritual. Fine, if you lost me there, that's okay. But stick with me now. All right? So the question could be asked, what is the heyday? Marala Prague explains, what is the heyday of Homer? What is the heyday of material? What is the heyday of water? When is the heyday through all of history of water? What is that time that water took over even when, where land is supposed to be? Mabel, the flood, right? So look at, look at what the Torah says about that time. Malaiha Haaretz Hamas, the world was full of distortion. What's supposed to be up is down. What's supposed to be down is up, right? You have, um, you have all sorts of whatever. You got uh, you know, people going with animals, whatever else was going on. People are stealing from one another. There's, no, there's a total loss of structure, a total loss of boundaries. There's total loss of tsura total loss of direction, so then what happens? The spiritual is at the root of the, what comes about physically, right? So what ends up happening? So spiritually people are, have lost surah, so um, water takes over. Water takes over where, where land is supposed to be. Now let's flip the script a little bit. What is the heyday of surah? What is the heyday of surah? When is that time where land took over even where water is supposed to be? Heyday is like the, in Yiddish it's the, spit, the spitz, how would we say it, the top of the top, the time that was like the best time. Okay, so we, that was the best time, of, well, thank you by the way, if anyone does not understand what the heck I'm saying, feel free to, feel free to say something about it. Alright, what is that time, the top of the top, when, well, for, for tsura, for direction, when land took over even where water is supposed to be? Splitting of the sea, right? Splitting of the sea. What do we know about the splitting of the sea? Why did the sea split? One of the angles on why the sea split, we know it says in Tehillim, in Psalms, we say it in Halal, Hayam Ra'a Vayanos. It says that the sea saw and it fled, it split. And so the Midrash, if I'm not mistaken, it's the Midrash, or the Gemara asks on it, says, hold on, what did the sea see that it split? And what does it say? The sea saw what? The bones, it says the bones of Joseph. The bones of Joseph. So they were carrying Joseph out of Egypt when the Jews were leaving, and in the honor of, in the merit of Joseph, the sea split. Well, why? What's the difference? Why? What's, what, what's the connection? Joseph, the sea splitting. Yeah. Answer says the Mile of Pog. What was Joseph all about? Joseph is the pinnacle, the prime example in Kabbalah of the concept of the tzaddik. What's the tzaddik? He was the one who was sent away from the holy enclave of the Jewish people, of the, tri- of the 12 tribes. He, the holy cocoon, he was sent away from that. He was sent down to the depths of the depths. He was sent down to Egypt, and he had all sorts of situations there. He found himself in the lowest of the low. He's in jail with who knows if he's ever getting out, and we all know what happens in jail, not to mention in an Egyptian jail from back in the day. And then he's also raised ultimately to the highest of the high, basically being running the entire civilization of that time. And so, and, and so he obviously had all sorts of opportunities with all sorts of you know, people, and on top of all this, they say he wasn't bad looking either. There was opportunities, you know, there was opportunities. And so, but nevertheless, he's able to, he stands strong with what he believes. He stands strong with his truth. He stands strong with his God. He stands strong with the traditions of the Jewish people of the Avot and Imahot, 
even in those circumstances. I mean, talk about, that was a Tzura personality, if there ever was one, right? And so he put forth within himself, blazed a trail within himself, within the seas that are storming inside of him. He blazes a trail of dry land within there to do what's yashar, to do what's right, to do what's upright. So then in his merit, when the Jewish people come to the sea, the sea, again, where you were at spiritually, is where things, what happens physically. So the sea splits in front of the bones of Joseph. Right? And so this is the concept of what land is all about. On the one hand, we said that land is that place that, of journeying. And in particular, we're saying land is also, what is it also about? It's the concept of spirituality. It's the concept of doing what's right. It's the concept of, the, of, of tzura, of having that direction. And so the land is that place where we're, look, that we're, we're going on that journey and we're striving for spirituality on this journey. So now the question is, okay, so what do we mean by Israel? What's Israel all about? What's Israel all about? So again, if we look at the name for Israel, what we find, before we get to the name of Israel, we find a source in the Talmud. L'chaim, everybody. It's not a blessing, but thanks. So, and, so it says in the Talmud, when we're talking about Jews, non-Jews, it says in the Talmud, if someone to come along, someone to come along and say to you, you know, there's wisdom among the nations. Talmud says, Tamin, believe that person, it's true. Every nation has a gift of wisdom to give to the world. But, the Talmud says, if someone comes along and says, Torah Bagoyim, that there's Torah among the nations, that there is the ability to bring forth spiritual reality, spiritual truth, connect this world to God, that that's what exists among the nations, that, no, 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 that, don't believe them. Why? Because that's the unique gift of the Jewish people. Right? And so if you look at the Jewish people, this is exactly what I mean by the word Jewish people. The Jewish people, uh, Yisrael. Yisrael breaks down to Yashar. El, straight to God. It's about taking, about taking this world, whatever, all the different gifts, so to speak, that the nations have in this world, taking it and channeling it, bringing, some, bringing, bringing it to holiness and bringing holiness to it. Right? By the way, similar idea also, if you look at for the word for Jew, also Yehudi, right? It's rooted in the, rooted in the word Yehuda. What is that? Says the Bnei Yisachar. You look, he says the four letters of the name of Hashem, Yud Kevavke, with a Dalit. Right? What's a Dalit? A Dalit is also is a word. Dalet is also from the word dal, which means poor. Or also the word delet, spelled out delet, you spell out the letter dalet, dalet lamitav, delet, which means door, because a poor person needs to go from door to door. And so this is the idea of that the Jewish people are supposed to be about. Supposed to be about. Take that spirituality, take the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay to the dalet, to the one who doesn't have it. And so similarly also, the nations of the world bring about, some kind of, if they have some kind of gift to bring to this world, awesome, doesn't have, doesn't have godliness though, so when it comes to godliness, it's void, it's chol. Not necessarily bad, but doesn't. Have, but it's vacant of this godly idea. So the Jew, Jewish idea is okay. Take this thing. Take this mundane thing. Again, mundane. I don't mean anything negative. Just neutral. Don't have anything. Attach it. Attach some godliness to it. Raise some. Raise the it to some godliness. Right. This is the role. This is the role of the Jew to do that for the world. Right. And so. <clears throat> And so, yeah, this is, by the way, this is the actual idea of tikkun olam, right? Not like the, uh, you, you know, that, 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 that line tikkun olam has been hijacked, right? So, uh, tikkun olam has been hijacked to mean whatever, you know, is being promoted by uh, whatever people do promoting in this world and to make it mean 
whatever their thing is. But of course, tikkun olam means, tikkun means to fix, olam, which means the world, is also from the Hebrew, it's from the Hebrew word he'elem, or ne'elam, which means hiddenness or disappearance. There's a whole deeper Kabbalistic explanation of this. Um, but that in this world, right, because, said that we're going to go into Tzimtzum here, it's off topic, but the point is that to fill, to fill up that hiddenness in this world, to, fill, to fix that hiddenness in this world, right? We're in a world of fragmentation. We're in a world in which uh, we don't see necessarily the infinite God here in this world. So we have a world of fragmentation. Point is to fix that up by revealing the inherent godliness, the inherent oneness in the fragmentation of this world. Okay, I don't know why I brought this up. This is totally off topic. Fine, let's leave it. It's not totally off topic, but it's too much. <laughs> too much uh, off to the side. So anyway, point for us today right here is that if you look, one of, the, one of the great Kabbalistic sources, one of the original Kabbalistic sources is a book called the Sefer Yetzirah, right? Written by Avram or perhaps by Rabbi Akiva, either way. <clears throat> and in that book we say, it says that the world was created in three dimensions. In three, the world is created in three dimensions. Olam, Shana, Nefesh, which means space, time, and being, right? Which means to say that these are three parallel dimensions. What you're going to find in one, you're going to find in the other, right? And so, and so, just like the Jew's role is to do this idea of connecting, right? Connecting, um, you, connecting humanity to its purpose. So same thing you're going to find on the level of land, in the dimension of land, there's, go, there's a parallel to that. Right? And this is the concept of Eretz Yisrael, right? Being involved in the godly journey, specifically of taking things Yashar El, straight to God. And this is the concept of what Eretz Yisrael is all about. Eretz Yisrael is all about the same thing as Am Yisrael, just Am Yisrael is the concept of Nefesh, the entity, the soul aspect. And the, in, on the level of land and the level of space, this is the nature of the, this is the nature of the land of Israel, that, it's con, that that energy is existing within the land of Israel, that is conducive for that. And in case you don't understand what I mean, let's recognize that the truth is that we know that every land has its energy, right? Every land has the energy that it evokes, right? Very simple example, let's see this on, its, let's see this on the physical level, right? And by the way, one of the reasons why we can explain things off the physical level is because one of the ideas of Kabbalah really is that the word Kabbalah is rooted in the Hebrew word we know Kabbalah means from the word lekabel to receive because we're receiving the deeper teachings that have been received by the student from the teacher. True. On a deeper level though, Kabbalah is from, the word Kabbalah is from the Hebrew word makbil, which means parallel. Parallel. Because one of the foundational principles of all Kabbalistic thought is that everything here in this physical world is a parallel to a deeper spiritual reality. And so therefore, we're going to see that there's a physical... We're going to see a certain parallel here, right? So for example, imagine I were to take a orange seed and I were to plant it in Buffalo, New York. They just got like 35 inches of snow, right? That's what I saw, I think. Okay. Would, can I grow from this orange seed, can I grow an orange tree from this orange seed in Buffalo, New York? Yes. Probably yes. However, if I were to take the same orange seed and I would get on a flight from Buffalo, New York, and I'd fly down to Miami, Florida, and I'd plant 
this orange seed in Florida with the same plowing, the same seeding, the same watering, the same... What would I perhaps, what would be the difference? Most likely, barring external circumstances that come in the way, right? What would be? Would it be the same as when I planted it in Buffalo? No. No. What would it be? Better, worse, different? Different. Different, and somebody says better. I'm going to go with that answer because it works for me better. (laughs) Right? If I plant it, what's going to be? I'm going to probably, probably, barring some external circumstance, you know, there was a hurricane the week after I planted, okay, not talking about that. Barring some kind of crazy circumstance, leaving everything to the general nature of, of the way it goes, I'm going to, this orange seed is going to grow into a fuller version of itself in Miami than it did in Buffalo. Why? I did the same plowing, the same seeding, the same watering. Why? Huh? The weather is different. What did you say? The different, yeah, different land. The climate of the place. The climate is different, right? On the other hand, if I want to grow potatoes, better I'd go to Idaho and grow my potato over there. Meaning to say, every climate have a, has a place that depending what you plant there, what's more conducive for what, right? So similarly, this is just a parallel, the fact that we have this, of course, it's just a parallel of a deeper spirituality, that just like there's physical climates, so there's also spiritual climates, there's also spiritual natures of things, right? And which means to say, I can take, imagine I take a Jew, and I plant that Jewish seed, I plant that Jew, Right here in Los Angeles. You guys knew I was going to get there eventually, right? Right? So, could I grow a Jew in Los Angeles? Could I take some Torahs, take some Tzpilah, take some Simcha, of course, can't forget that. Throw in some Achtus, Kal Chaverim. Could I grow a Jew in Los Angeles? Yeah, I probably could. I could, I could thank God, we see, we can grow some Jews in Los Angeles. Amazing. Baruch Hashem. Amazing. However, the idea is like this, if I take that same Jewish seed and I plant that, take that Jewish seed, I pluck him out of, pluck him out from Los Angeles, I plant, take that same Jewish seed, I plant him in Eretz Yisrael, that place that's conducive for growing Jews, or the conducive to the, aligns with the Jewish purpose and mission, and I put, give him the same Torah, the same tefillah, same. So chances are, in general, and certainly over the course of time, most likely, where it's going to be, it's, you're putting that person in a place that is more conducive for growing that Jewish soul into the fullest fruition of what it could be. Now, some people want to say, oh, wait, I know this Jew who I, he lived there, he left there, and he went over there, it was better for him. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's specific exceptions for sure, no doubt, no doubt about it. But in general, because of the spiritual climate of the place, the spiritual climate of the place. And so this is the idea. And the idea is that, that what we are as a people parallels what that space is as a land. What we are in terms of nefesh, Eretz Yisrael is in terms of olam. And, and this is really what it's all about. Right? The Beis HaMikdash is called a couple of times in Tanakh, is referred to as the neck of the world. The neck of the world. Why? Because what's the neck? The neck is that part of the person that attaches the same, the, the animal side of the person, the part that's more or less similar to the animal, to the part that is uniquely human, to the part that's the soul side, right? The soul manifests itself mainly through head-oriented stuff, right? Complex thought, free will speech, uh, uh, complex thought, complex speech, free, free will choice, all head-oriented stuff. And then the idea is 
the neck is the thing that brings down, has the opportunity to bring down, hopefully, bring down the, phys- the spiritual into the physical, and hopefully, by way of it, we elevate the physical to the spiritual. So same thing, there's a concept of the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash and Israel, Yerushalayim, said specifically, though, about the Beit HaMikdash, is that place where heaven meets earth, and where hopefully heaven can come down to earth, and earth can be elevated to heaven. And this is the idea of what the Jewish people are supposed to be about. Again, Yesharia, we're taking, we're, we're taking whatever is going on here in this world, and finding a way to connect it to something holy. And thereby we reveal the inherent holiness in that thing, and what it was here for in the first place. Just like the Tanya and many others explained, the concept of Klippat Noga, right, is the concept that there's, some, there's things in this world which are dually charged. There are things, forget about mitzvah on the one hand, and you got a very sin on the other hand, but you have something in the middle that's not that's neutral. It's not that it's neutral, it's that it's duly charged. It can be used, if you go ahead and use it for the positive, you bring out the positive and inherent in it. Or you can also use it for the negative, in which case you don't, right? In which it goes the other way. And so the idea is, the idea is that the role of the Jew, the role of the Jew and the role of the land of Israel, the energy, is this concept of taking, taking that which is within this world and raising it up. And this is, of course, the idea of the Jew to, let, to, become, to be a light unto the nations and to be a light unto this world, which is to reveal the godliness in, in everything. And so we should be blessed to be able to do that. We should be blessed to connect our purpose and be, to, to be in the land of Israel. And, um, and yeah, we should, be able to, we should all be able to get there. We should live it in our lives wherever we are and then hopefully get there in reality. Questions, thoughts, ideas? All right, my friends. Amen. Amen. There you go. Can't go wrong with a little amen. L'chaim. Yes, you know. Throw in some good uh, Jewish words. Yes, go ahead. What about the concept of revealing uh, God's works in different parts of the world? How can we do that if we are only in Israel? Good question. So, truth is that um, it's laid out in Tanakh, right, that that Actually, I'll give you another, before I even get to that, I'll give you a prelude to, your, to the answer, right? Which is that we find that when we say Birkat Amazon, I meant to say this before, we say Birkat Amazon, there's a whole section of Birkat Amazon where you bless the land of Israel. Now, hold on a second. Why are we blessing the land of Israel? I mean, let's say, imagine here I'm in Los Angeles. I'm not eating any Jaffa oranges. Jaffa oranges come from Israel, okay? I'm not eating any Israeli produce. And I'm not in Israel. So why in my Berkat Amazon, when I'm blessing God for the food, why is there a whole section for blessing the land of Israel? So the answer that they give, that because the only, the way that this, the food gets here, the way the energy, the divine energy comes over here, is it comes by way Eretz Yisrael. So it's the same thing. We are able to, if we are doing, so Tanakh lays out two options. If we do what we are supposed to do in the land of Israel, We'll have the Beit HaMikdash, and we'll do our thing in the land of Israel, and the world, we will have an effect around the world. Of course, option number two is, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, the Beit HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, we're going to be scattered around the globe. And then also, even over there, even at all different locations throughout the world, even there it's going to work metaphysically. It's not going to be like, you're not going to change the world by preaching to people. No, you go, you're going to be kicked out to wherever, you go over there, you learn Torah, you keep mitzvot, you do what you're supposed to do, and the world around, the area around you is going to change, right? And if you look, by the way, if you look at Jewish history, clearly we took option number two, right? The Jewish people didn't do what they were supposed to do, got scattered around, basically was destroyed, scattered around the globe. And you see, the story of Jewish history is that Grom, Reese, 
Rome, Greece, Persia, Babylonia, wherever we go, you see that this is the story. The Jewish people, they find themselves in some community and they don't preach to the non. They just, they do their own thing. They do their mitzvot. They keep, they learn their Torah in their little hole in the wall. And you have the non-Jewish nations. They laugh at them. They argue with them. They spit at them. They make jokes with them. They debate with them. By the time the Jewish people are being sent out, by the time Jewish people are leaving, you find that it's the non-Jewish paganistic world around them that has tossed in their idolatries, tossed away their paganism, and incorporated into their life that there's a God who gives the Torah to the Jewish people. Now listen, I still want to have my cheeseburgers. Okay, Jesus came along and said, that's okay, fine. Whatever. That's, not, that's not, no problem. We don't have a problem with that anyway. They can have their cheeseburger, right? But the point is, it's a miraculous thing. The Jewish people, they didn't, they were, the Jewish people were not the majority. The Jewish people didn't have the power. They were, weren't holding a gun over anybody's head. And by the time the Jewish people are leaving, the non-Jewish nations that hosted them throw away their, their beliefs and incorporate into their life basic tenets of Judaism. Wild thing. And so we see that there's a spiritual reality going on over here. We have to be who we're supposed to be. And the world around us will shift. And that not necessarily do we need to be in every specific location. If we get sent there, we get sent there. But if we are who we are, if we're shining that light in the land of Israel, the spiritual metaphysical reality is that the rest of the world will come on their own, however that works, will come on their own, just like it worked when we were all scattered around. Because they're also, again, we didn't preach, we didn't force anyone. They will come to the more in keeping with Jewish ideals. What else we got here, my friends? You said that when you were in the land of Israel, it kind of woke something up in you. I, I kind of just the beginning a little bit. You were, okay. you were, you were oh, just my, this is my quick little two-minute intro. Yeah. Yeah. But you were from, uh, I guess, New Jersey. I caught yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened that woke you up when you went to the land of Israel? So I, I don't know if I would say I was waking up, meaning I went because I had these questions already. It's not like I was walking around blindly and then something happened and it woke me up. No, I, was, I, I had these questions already and I was looking to try to find places and people who can like really show like, okay, why do we believe this is true? Why do we believe this Judaism is more likely to be real than not real or than any other religion or belief system or anything like that? So, but I, I mean, I got this. So you want to follow up question would be, okay, what happened? Like, what did you hear? All right, we could do a, a five-hour seminar on that. That's not, for, that's not okay. for right now. I mean, I have a book called The Case for Judaism. If you're interested, you can find it on Amazon. I have a book called The Case for Judaism, which goes through really these things like, okay, why should we believe that there's God? Why should we believe God gave the Torah to the Jewish people? Why should we believe the oral Torah is legit and relevant? What's the difference? What about Judaism versus morality? Judaism versus democracy? The role of anti-Semitism, like, what goes through these things. If you're interested, you can find it on there. Yeah. I think it's different than in Israel, like studying here, like you felt like there was something... But I was trying to get you felt there's something different, like you said, your tree grew there versus here. I guess you could say that. I mean, more so there, more so there. But I mean, you can just, you can say that it's a land of Israel thing, yeah. and you can also say like I found institutions that were and, and people who were giving over this information that I in a way that I needed to hear it. So I don't want to get all spiritual and say oh the land of Israel and whatever okay. uh, for me. I, I don't want to I don't want to say that. I mean, okay. I was definitely in land of Israel when when I, when I got some clarity, but. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Two more questions, and then I got to. And then I say, I'm getting the hint that the rabbi wants to get into it. <laughs> um, 
Wait one second. Uh, to all of you, we're, we're getting a bit of a late start, but please hold on. We, we've got, we'll probably start in about another three minutes, okay? There you go. Three minutes, perfect. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, uh, I'm in LA. I think it's Israel. The, the, whole, the, the whole mystery of mundane to holiness is palpable in Israel because there's so much of that in your face. Whereas LA, almost the opposite, right? Yeah. Everything is material. Yeah. And you say, well, you can plant a Jew in, in LA and they can still yeah. it's uh, possible. connect to it. It's sure. possible. Sure. But, like, I, I just find myself thinking, like, even with, uh, right now, this whole thing with Kanye, and it's spreading to everybody. They, Who's that? Uh, Kanye West. Who's that? Uh, so he is a... Uh, uh, a guy who came out against Jews who now just lost a billion dollars in two weeks. He's awesome. one of the most famous rappers in the world. Okay. And he also works for a mega church. So there's a lot of, a lot of youth, including a lot of Jewish yeah. youth that follow him. Okay. Now, he's a holy rapper, supposedly. And he came out where the real thing, whatever the point yeah. is. Yeah. There's a lot of people come behind him and say, yes, actually, everybody we know in LA, they are Jewish and yeah. they are troubled. They, yeah. They call Trump. Okay. So wait, what's the question? I just he's you know he wants me to. So, so the point is, when people have trouble because they're in a more mundane sense, do you think that just corrects itself by the ones who don't, who do connect to holiness, grow, and the ones that don't just kind of assimilate out? And I mean, disappear? throughout our history, the truth is, if you want to be, if you want to take this approach, throughout our history, anti-Semitism has played a big role in keeping Jews Jewish. So on the one hand, we say anti-Semitism bad. On the other hand, the bottom line is it's responsible for many, many Jews who are here today are here because of anti-Semitism, sorry to say. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I'm not like being like, yeah, go Kanye, you know, yeah, keep yeah. it up, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, um, but like, let's understand that that has been in many ways the role of anti-Semitism for better or for worse. So anyway, there's more to say about it, but right. go ahead, last question and, or thought. Uh, Series of good questions. No, you're joking. So let's go to the one that's the best. Right. So, for your uh, communication, Yosef Bones were brought to Arizona to, to uh, Eric Nan after Jews uh, uh, went to the. Yeah. Right, so Yes. You mentioned that uh, there was a three dimension that exists at the same time. Yeah. The souls, yeah. the time, yeah. and uh, what else was the third? No, no, soul, time, uh, space. Right. Yeah. However, however, the Nashamon were created prior to the creation of the world. Jofi. So that did not exist at uh, three of the Okay, time. fine. Good question, but okay, total tangent. Yeah, what else? Fun. When the uh, Mashiach will come, yeah. right? we know, we read that Eretz of Eretz Israel will expand. So why can't we yeah. achieve the same spiritual benefits on the expanded territories now prior to coming to Mashiach? I think because, like you said, right now, is this Eretz Israel? No. Okay, so that's the answer. It's but not Eretz Israel. about the other two? The other one, the thing with the soul is, is too much for right now. And what was the first one? I didn't understand what the question oh, was. The Yosef bones yeah. were brought to Eretz after the... Right. Right. After, right. So, um, I was just talking about the splitting of the sea. Yosef, Yosef was... 
In his merit, the sea split. That's all I was saying. In his merit, he was someone. Is his future married? No, no. Yosef was Yosef was already uh, passed away already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. We're good. All right, cool. My friends, I hope this is meaningful. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Ellie, so much. I hope you gained something. And Bezrat Hashem. Bezrat Hashem, she was blessed to see you all in Eretz Yisrael very, very soon. Um, if anyone likes teachings like this, like I mentioned, you're welcome to find. I have uh, books on Amazon. If you want to find me, find me on Amazon. Um, you can, you know, there's some good, if you like this kind of content, so we have philosophical stuff, more Kabbalistic stuff, you're welcome to check it out there. If anyone wants to reach out, you're welcome to find me Instagram, ellie.the.jew. Okay, very easy to remember, Ellie the Jew, okay? Cool, my friends, have a good one. Enjoy the next year. Thank you for listening to the Hasidus Daily Podcast. For more inspirational content, including books, audio, and video presentations, visit ellythejew.com.